Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode 3, Shoba Kevin Akudiel, Fierce Search, Act 3, recorded June 4th, 2016, at Courtney's apartment in Brooklyn, New York. One size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 These are dark times. But I look for the hope. Something that I was hopeful that happened to me recently on June 17th. I sat on a panel at NYU talking about theater for young audiences with amazing people like Cecily O'Neill and Lori Brooks and David Montgomery. And I had announced it, you know, I sort of publicly announced it a couple of weeks ago and you'll never guess who came my fourth grade teacher miss jordan tessa jordan there she was doing her little crocheting <laughs> and so so sweet and so seemingly proud of one of her students from decades ago <laughs> talking about theater for young audiences and kids and all the things. And I felt, well, I felt proud. And that was, that was incredibly sweet of her to travel in from Long Island to come and see me speak. And isn't it the little things, although I felt like that was a kind of a big thing, but it's the little things that we can do for each other and should be doing for each other that will combat the darkness that tries to creep in. So, in this final act, Shoba and I talk about exciting moments that we've had working, whether it's in the classroom or in the theater. And she talks more specifically about a, an experience that she had in a, in a, a theater or uh, an adaptation for uh, young audiences that was performed at the Harlem Children's Theater Festival that she runs at City College. We also discuss our work ethic and how, you know, we both have a very strong work ethic. We also do a a whole lot of extracurricular volunteering on boards and committees. She and I have worked together on multiple committees and boards. Um, For example, we were co-chairs for the New York City Arts and Education Roundtable Teaching Artist Affairs Committee. That is a mouthful. 
And we would do lots of different programming events. And one of the events that we did for multiple years that I was sort of in charge of and, and felt was incredibly important was uh, after the Affordable Health Care Act was passed, here was an opportunity for people, millions and millions of people, including artists, having insurance and not going bankrupt because they were sick or got hurt. And I felt that it was incredibly necessary to find ways to make sure that those artists or artists within New York City, at least understood what the bill was, what the program was and how to sign up. And so we partnered with the Actors Fund who provided the service for free and we found the space and created webinars or in-person opportunities for um, there to be a presentation on it, uh, for people to figure out the different kinds of packages, et cetera, and ask very specific questions and get real answers. And I made... Uh, made sure that my personal core value was known that I think that healthcare is a right that all Americans should have the right to see a doctor to have the basic care without going bankrupt. And right now our Senate that is led by GOP uh, goppers, (laughs) Republicans or public what do I call them for pub thugs, rethugicans, whatever, that want to take that right away from millions and millions of people. And they are doing it behind closed doors and doing it in secrecy because they know, they know that we all do not want this. And so I'm continuing my advocacy and making sure that I am contacting my senators and trying to make sure that people in other states who have Republican or independent senators are being informed that their constituents do not want this. Please, by all means, please for yourself, for your family, for whoever, artists in your lives, make sure that they know that their constituents do not want this disastrous bill. It's time to start it up, kids. Get it going. Anyway, so <laughs> Shoba Kavanakudiel is, um, as as we were talking in this last part of our, our time together, it was really a lot of fun. Frankly, what we captured um, was a lot of our regular conversations. In fact, she actually turns the tables on me at one point and makes me talk about myself as an artist, which I think was really, really smart of her. Um, and she is about to become the co-president for the New York City Arts and Education Roundtable. She's taking over for one of the presidents, and I'm really excited to see where she uh, takes the roundtable in terms of its programming, in terms of its reach. Um, I'm along for the ride, and I hope that you guys have been enjoying not only this particular season, uh, series, but um, teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body as a whole. So if you haven't listened to all of the past episodes, please do and enjoy. And there are many more to come. Here is episode three, act three, Shoba Kavanakudil, Fierce Search. There was something else that you talked about just now about the, the, there's this sparkle, the spark that can happen when people are engaged in the arts. And that, that's the thing that I'm actually like the most interested in, I think around this, this, the reason why I started this is 
inspiration and passion and how artists who teach can inspire others in some way um, by doing the work that they do. And, you know, can you tell us a story about like when, you know, what was the thing that made somebody sparkle, I guess, besides, I mean, you talked about the, the teachers, but is there a particular like favorite story of yours where you were teaching and, and everything was coming together? It could, it could have been maybe what you were just talking about, but is there another experience that you've had where you, you yourself, I mean, it's almost like a, it could be like a religious experience almost mm-hmm. where you, like you yourself yeah. feel like you're buzzing yeah. because everything is in flow and you see the beaming, you see the light shining out of people. I, you know, the bright eyes are happening. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm so curious about if we're all striving for that is it's almost like, like, you know, not to, not that it's exactly the same thing, but you know, they say that after you, the first time you get high, you're always chasing the dragon, right? Isn't that how it works? So like, but in teaching and in art, you actually have the possibility of finding it again and it's not harmful. It's mm-hmm. actually awesome. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, isn't that what we're all striving for? Yeah. Or isn't that what we should be all striving for? Yeah. Yeah, so a moment. I mean, there's so many. Um, And also I think that that question, it's so loaded, like meaning I think that people's lives are made up of moments and the opportunity we have as artists and educators to be part of one little moment will have a lasting impact, right? So there's so many of them because there's so many moments in our lives. Um, And so, of course, you asked me this and I can't think of one, but – the recent one I'm going to tell you about is um, the Harlem Children's Theater Festival. And we did a performance. Um, my students wrote an adaptation based on the book Out of My Mind by Sharon Draper. And it's about a young man. Well, actually, it's not about a young man. We The adaptation was about a young man who um, has cerebral palsy and who has a mother who's advocating for him, who is um, extremely intelligent, but his teacher his teachers and principal in school kind of treat him like he's not smart, you know, and that he can't communicate and he can, it's just different. Um, so I had the opportunity to work with an actor who has CP from, uh, the cat youth theater. And it was just an amazing, he's amazing. First of all, and you were there at the performance, such a great actor. His name is Tom Ellenson. And, um, He's 18, so it was great. It's always great to work with real-life kids, yeah. right, young people. Um, but he, he was just great. And what was the moment for me was watching my grad students work with him and, like, the joy that they had in their faces. Um, in addition, I mean, the performance was fantastic. I can't wait to tour it. We're going to be touring that in the fall, um, hopefully. But that that's one of those moments. Like, I – for me, that was very satisfying as an artist because I know that I created this experience for them mm-hmm. and to see them in their, you know, in their, in those moments, like it was just, they were beaming, he was beaming and, and we were a community. So to share that story, this was the first year we used um, actors from outside, young people. So in both shows actually. So, um, 
but that experience in particular was just great for me because he he was just he's an amazing kid did he talk about being a part of the project what was his experience like yeah he loved it I mean he's been sending emails and he's like I definitely want to be part of it in the fall um he's in school so I don't know how that's going to work but I want him to be a part of it Mm -hmm. I actually, um, it was just such a great experience that I feel conflicted about doing the show if um, any of the actors drop out. Yeah. I can, I can see that. I was in the audience and I was um, both watching the show but also watching the audience and there was this moment because everybody underestimates this kid who is really, really intelligent and he has a, um, he ends up getting a machine that can actually speak for him um, because he's nonverbal, right? And, um and prior to that, there is another actor who voices him, like plays his 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 mind basically, right? Um, and that there was this a moment where I was so paying attention to the as an audience member, I was paying attention initially to that actor who was standing behind him, but and it took me like a little bit of time. So I'm just curious as somebody who actually knows, you know, I think I know theater pretty well. Like it took me a minute to like understand. Oh no. Yes, I should be paying attention, but I actually started watching the character who actually had CP and 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 the recognition of like, oh, he's he's acting as well, and he's actually like he's listening to what the actor his 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 double is saying, and there's there's facial expressions and movements that are happening that are, and then I you know what I mean? Like I had this revelation as an audience member of watching an actor who has CP act. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like realize what was actually happening. And that was all within like a split second or two, but it was just a moment for me to be like, Oh, and then as the story progresses, um, you start, you know, really the audience is rooting for, for that, for him. I forget what the kids, the character's name is. I forget too. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> Um, you start rooting for him and eventually like they do this contest and, and, um, or this like the quiz show and he wins Mm -hmm. and everybody's so excited and like all the, all the haters (laughs) and the people who doubted him, like totally changed their, their tune. And there was this cheer that happened from the whole audience and the audience was like young, little tiny tots and they were following along. It was really impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the lines that he says, that character says is, um, you know, this is, this is my disability. What's yours? Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that moment of overcoming and having that, we all have them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we all have those insecurities. We all have those challenges. Um, so I, I think it's relatable for everybody. Um, because you know, like you said, people were cheering for him. Like you, you get those people in your life that are cheering for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be a little thing. It could be, um, you know, writing a blog, you know what I mean? Like feeling that energy of people wanting you to do well. It could be a performance. It could be. So, yeah, I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, definitely. Did I answer your question? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, so let's 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 talk a little bit. You talked about the the jack of all trades. I, I keep calling it that. That's not what you're saying. But like having um, knowledge in lots of different areas, you, you and, as opposed to being like an expert in one specific area within theater education. Um, and then the whole, uh, administrative versus artist. Yeah. But I, just to clarify, yeah. like I talked about that in terms of my students coming out of my program. Yes. I don't, 
I think that everyone should have an area of expertise and go deeper in something. I just, I don't know that that's our job, I, you know, to prepare them for the job market and to expose them to what's out there. Yeah, yeah. And I was just going to, so I was taking it to uh, two questions. One is, what are the different courses that you you uh, teach? And then what would you say is your specialty? Um, I teach so many classes because <laughs> I have to teach nine nine courses a year. Um, so I, I do a lot of supervising of teaching artists. Um, I go out and we have a student teaching for teaching artists, um, as well as for our theater teachers. I do that. Um, I have a curriculum course that I teach for teaching artists. Um, it's called curriculum in non-traditional settings. Um, I teach conflict resolution through theater, theater for young audiences, drama and education, arts integration, P6, arts integration 712, um, I teach so much. What, what is that? It's P6. Uh, preschool through six. And then uh, the other ones for seven through 12. Because right. art certification is um, pre-K through 12 in New York State. So you can't cover it all in one right. class. No, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> um, what's my area of specialty? Well, I, I don't know. I think I'm good at a lot of things. Um, and I think that I can't decide. I'm at this place in my career right now where I don't know what's next what I want to do next. Um, so if you asked me that question 10 years ago, my answer might have been different. I probably might have said something to you, indefinite, but I'm sort of in this area of like, I don't know what my specialty is. Sometimes I wonder what I offer, and then I sometimes think I offer a lot, but like I can't pick something, you know? I don't know what my thing is right now. Um, I just got my CCE last year, and you know, completed my first year after that. And I'm kind of trying to figure out what's next. Like, mm -hmm. what do I want? What do I, I think our programs, um, and our, you know, the Harlem children's theater festival is really my baby. And I think I've gotten that to a place that I feel really comfortable. Um, I think I've gotten pretty good at managing that and getting, you know, picking the right shows based on the students talent of that cohort, so to speak. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like doing a lot of soul searching, trying to figure out what's next. What do I do next? I, I do know that I miss a little bit of me misses my life in television, you know, and, um, and media. I don't know. Like, I wonder if there's a way to marry the two. Um, but that's today. Tomorrow could change. You know, I, I don't because I haven't I haven't committed to that next thing. I don't know what it is. So. Um, I, th I think that makes sense. I'm, I'm, I think we all at some point at different points in our lives are thinking, okay, well, what is the next thing? And so, um, you knowing that you have a family, you know, who un wanted to support you when it was a hobby <laughs> and knowing that they understood, they would better understand that you were leaving television because you were going to grad school, but that you weren't quite a hundred percent sure of what this thing was that you were going to do as opposed to going to conservatory. Right. So what is it like? What's, what are the emotions? <laughs> what are the, the, where are you um, feeling yeah. in terms of feeling sort of in this nebulous state? Yeah. I think that, I think that as an artist, I think we all think with our heart. Right. And I've accepted that because there's that other part of me that thinks with my head so I've accepted that. And I think for me, it's very personal. Um, like meaning I think that, um, I throw a lot of myself into work and I think that it's not, I mean, I love my jobs. I love everything I do. I, lo I mean, I'm here on a Saturday night with you, right? For this, 
um, which is not bad. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool here. But I'm saying that like, I, I think I'm realizing that I need that next thing that's going to kind of satisfy my heart. Um, I wonder how much of that is maybe because I haven't had kids and I, Mm. you know, might want that. Um, my dogs are getting old. They're not as fun. I don't know. I I just don't, I don't know what the next thing is, but I do know that I've learned to trust my past journey and like when I know it, I'll make it happen. I just don't know what it is like right at this moment. uh, If I, if I may, Mm -hmm. I remember you, I remember a time when you were like, I love what I'm doing, but I'm ready to move forward. I don't know what that is. It happens like every five years. (laughs) So I, you know, and it takes you time. And so it just, it does. It in, takes me time to figure know, stuff out. Things always, things always work out for Shoba. Like, do they, they do. Do they work out or do I make it work out? I think they all, I mean, like it's, I'm not saying that your, your whole life has been like super blessed. Like there are, there are, there are things that definitely are challenging and hard and all of those things that make us stronger because we go through them. But I'm just saying like, when it comes to your career, I think that your incubation period will f- come out on the other side of it. Yeah. You're going to get to a place where you know what, what it is. Yeah, I, 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 I've yeah. learned to, to, to trust that. Mm-hmm. I think the last time this happened, I didn't trust that. Mm. Um, but that's when I, you know, call you or go out for drinks with somebody or, mm. you know, write in my journal, <laughs> listen to fireworks. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I answered your question. I don't you remember where we are. Well, I was asking what your specialty is. Uh, and I'm, so I was going to change the question because you're like, I don't know what it is, um, to what, what of what you're currently doing do you enjoy the most? Oh, that's a great question. I can tell you about that. So um, there are three things I can tell you. Three and a half. Um. I really, really love our program. I love my job there. I love our students. Um, I love seeing them in my first class in drama and ed in the fall when they start a program and they look, they have these looks on their faces like they're not going to make it through grad school. And then flash forward two years in my capstone, the, the teaching artists anyway, and w- or when they're presenting their research, coming to that performance where they do their ethnodramas because um, Jen really teaches that. But it's like they're so confident and they're so smart and they're so creative and so artistic and and so happy and um that's like one of my favorite things that and I've learned to enjoy that now every spring like um because they grow up and I hate saying that because they're all grown-ups you know what I mean um so that's one thing the second thing ask me your question again what uh what of what you're currently doing do, do you I love enjoy the most? Yeah. um i am loving the work i do with the round table the new york city arts and education round table um i love doing conferences i think that sounds so nerdy but i just love bringing people together to share their talents and their skills and their artistry um i love being part of a a community and, and sitting with people on the roundtable board who are so committed to the field and happy and like, I don't think there's one person I've come across that's mean spirited. That's currently that I've, you know, everyone's so invested in the work that they're doing for their organization and that transference that we just all innately in our field know how to change hats right? Like now I'm this and now I'm this. Mm -hmm. Um, we've all worked for each other or with each other, right? At some point, like 
it's just it's so um and i think the round table is doing great work and um I'm so, I feel really privileged to be a part of that and, and to see the growth that's happened since I've become a part of that and, and been co-chairing face-to-face. I've really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. That's the second thing. And I think the third thing that I really enjoyed recently is um, working, <laughs> I did this residency at the New York Public Library in Kingsbridge with um, seniors it was a memoir writing workshop and they were just so cute. I just, I had, I had the best time. It's been a long time since I had a residency like all to myself. Mm. So mm. right now that's, those are my three favorite things. And what was the, what, uh, what was the sort of culminating event for the memoir? So they weren't really into the drama thing. They wanted to write and talk. Um, so I went with that and I had them write um, their stories and we had a little, a book published, you know, and they did a um, like a book reading, like a sharing of it. Cool. Yeah, it was a nice event. And those seniors are actually going to be working with us on our class um, in the summer at City College. So, so we're going to be going up there and devising theater with the with them and their stories. The stories that you bound in a book. If they want, if that's what stories. they want to share, that's great. Mm-hmm. If if my students are going to be reading that that memoir book, um, but uh, it's up to them. It's up to the people in the room that day so you mentioned the round table mm-hmm. um, the new york city arts and education round table or just round table um and you have been the co-chair for the face-to-face conference for how many years now um i think this is my second year mm-hmm. and are you a co-chair for anything else um, I'm, oh yeah, I'm, co- I'm co-chairing the national. Uh, that's a leading question. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I am co-chairing the national AATE conference mm-hmm. and, and that's I, in July. Oh, cool. AATE? AATE, the American Alliance for Theater and Education. Great. Um, so these are the things that you do outside of adju- uh, working in the program, not adjuncting, I'm sorry, but the, the, all the work that you do in terms of consulting or teaching and, um, you also are a part of these these networks and these organizations that are about serving the field, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And pu- bringing people together. Like um, AATE is about theater educators from from the university level all the way through arts organizations and theater teachers, right? And yes. then for the arts and education roundtable, uh, what's what is their mission? Their mission is to bring together arts educators, whereas like AATE focuses really on theater mm-hmm. educators. And what are the different kinds of committees or um, focuses that they have? So I've been a part of um, the Teaching Artist Affairs Committee. I've been a co-chair for that. Um, and I've been, this year I was a part of the Diversity Task Force, which started as an initiative out of um, a session that I presented with you mm-hmm. and Michael and James. Um last year and um yeah mm-hmm. i think that's it and um on the teaching arts committee which i'm also on it um and was a co-chair for for a while uh what does that committee focus on <laughs> teaching artists <laughs> yeah in what capacity <laughs> um i think we look at initiatives for teaching artists and uh well it's you know we used to look at events um we had like a health webinar or a health event, health, health affordable health, affordable health care act. <laughs> yeah. The tax, um, the tax event, um, looking at, you know, taxes for freelancers. 
Um, we've had networking events. Um, uh, we have an, uh, a survey going out right now to see, you know, how much teaching artists are making mm -hmm. and just kind of find out information and, and looking at it as a resource. So looking at things, you know, um, that can be resources to teaching artists as well. Mm -hmm. And it's focused specifically on New York City teaching artists. Yes. Um, but I'm also on another board oh. that you happen to be the president of mm -hmm. uh, the board, um, the Association of Teaching Artists, mm -hmm. which I think looks at teaching artistry um, from a national level. And also it's more of a, a resource for teaching artists. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and it has a website. It has lots of information, a Facebook page that, um, da like, daily they have information that they share. Um, yeah, they have um, job postings that mm -hmm. come out, and um, just a lot of information right. comes from that. And we actually have an annual board meeting coming up where we'll be thinking about new initiatives um, to continue to be a resource for teaching artists. Yeah. So that's interesting that, you, you know, between the Arts and Education Roundtable, I'm sure with AATE, even with the their theater teaching artists that would attend such a such a an event and then um, the Association of Teaching Artists between these different kinds, I'm sure there are more um, networks and organizations that focus on arts education. Um, whether it's more specified to a particular art form or, or, or broader than that. But I, I continue to, as somebody who employs teaching artists and is a teaching artist themselves, um, themselves that I continue to think about what, what it means not only to do the work, but actually like create a living as a teaching artist mm -hmm. and how more and more, people are choosing to be a teaching artist as opposed to sort of falling into it. Um, or, or like me being like, I don't necessarily want to be a classroom teacher, but I would love to be able to teach art. And then somebody saying to me, well, that's a teaching artist, you know, that kind of sort of like, Oh, Oh, and then making a choice to sort of go down that path. Um, but there are some things that there are so, so many things that are so inherently wonderful about this work. Mm -hmm. What would you say are some of the challenges to being a teaching artist? If th that is what one chooses to do, an artist who chooses to teach, what are some of the challenges? Um, I think managing your schedule. Like I think all teaching artists wish there were more than 24 hours in a day. Um, I think another challenge is um, probably being able to figure out how to be an artist and an educator at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, um, the reality of, you know, I want to take this work, but I also want to take this work, but it overlaps in schedule. Um, I think, you know, logistical things are a challenge, health insurance and, um, you know, running around. I mean, I used to get on the train sometimes so early to teach for the new Vic because I was living in New Jersey and I'd be teaching like I remember doing a residency in Far Rockaway um so 5 30 in the morning I was on the train or traveling you know two hours to get there and the teacher forgot you were coming right but things like that can be challenging mm -hmm. and disappointing um I think um you're very isolated as a teaching artist I think w until you come to your organization's if you're lucky enough to be part of an organization that has PDs, professional developments, or um, gatherings for your teaching artists, mm -hmm. whether it's work or play, um, I think it can be a very isolating. It can be very isolating. You feel alone. I mean, 
you're, you're traveling all over the city, the very big city, and going into these neighborhoods that you might not be familiar with, um, and you have time to kill sometimes in between classes, and you know, sometimes you want to bounce ideas off of somebody and there's no one there. And so that's why I think networking and, and, and having professional development is so important mm -hmm. and that some of these um, other organizations that I continue to support um, through work is um, really important because they're providing that space. Mm -hmm. But I think that those can also be some of the benefits, right? Like if you can look at it too, like going into those neighborhoods. I mean, I grew up in New York, you know, coming into the city and going out to some of these schools is how I learned about New York, like the cities and mm -hmm. the, I mean, the neighborhoods and the, um, just, you know, like getting a cup of coffee in a new place mm -hmm. is so different. Um, so that can also be a blessing. Going to these professional developments can be a blessing because you're meeting other teaching artists that work for different organizations. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's how you look at it. I mean, there's a challenge to everything you do. Mm -hmm. Like every job has its challenge. So I think that one of the things, one of my goals is just looking at teaching artists and how do I support their challenges and how do I forward, you know, the field in that way. So what are, what are some things that you're thinking about in terms of forwarding the, the field or their or s helping to solve some of those issues? Yeah. I don't know that, you know, Courtney, I don't know that you can ever solve an issue because a new one's always going to come up. Of course, you know? of course. But if there's one that's been identified, is there is there a solution? You know, I mean, I think that like something the Teaching Artist Affairs Committee did was um, providing the service of like the tax guy coming mm. in and the health, the health thing that you help set up. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's important. I think that's something that a lot of teaching artists didn't talk about until recently. And I think that those are conversations that people need to have that mm. I started to have a long time ago because I was thrown into it or because of, you know, just owning a house or, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but that in itself can be isolating. Like you want other people to talk about those things with. Right. Um, I mean, I, th I, th I think. And then there's the, the mm. like the quality of the work yeah. and keeping up with like what's going on in education and as a teaching artist, you know, when you're practicing your art form and you're, you have five jobs and you have paperwork to do for all of them in addition to the teaching, um, you know, like when do you get to read an article about what's going on in the field of education? Because teaching artists are really multilingual, right? They have to speak their language. They have to speak the language of the organizations they're working for. So that can change. And then they have to speak the language of the teachers and the principal and know how to sort of um, manage that. And so you need to keep on top of all of that. And right. that's a lot of work. And do you think that, like, who... I keep having Michael Wiggins, like, ringing in the back of my head somewhere, like, talking about second-class Michael Wiggins is always ringing in the back of my head. <laughs> I, I, but, but I think that there's something interesting I, I'm recalling about you as a teaching artist. I... I as I said, I know a lot of teaching artists. I employ a lot of teaching artists. I think that we work with some of the best teaching artists in the field. That said, in terms of the management, the life management that you're you're talking about and that I think you're really good at, I remember when you were working pretty much full-time as a teaching artist and adjuncting and you were hustling. You got this hustle on, but you also... Um, 
were smart about what you chose to do and how you chose to do the, like what work you were doing. And I don't think that everybody who is currently a teaching artist has those skill sets, those life administrative, those business administrative management. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of self-management skills that need to be shared in a way. So there's, I hear often a lot of complaining that can happen and not that there aren't things to complain about when you have to work for multiple organizations in order to make a livable wage. That's something to complain about. And what you just said of having to be able to speak all these different languages and having to be able to find the organizations who are going to meet your match, your own core values as an artist and and how you want to work with different kinds of populations right so there's a lot of decision making but there's also so much that can feel like as an artist or a teaching artist that is not in your hands choices that are not in your hands right so you have to audition to get a job to get hired at a place or you have to interview there's and then there's the quality piece like how good Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to do or how are you continually having to sort of prove yourself because you do need to do that because in certain organizations it's you know residency to residency it's not necessarily a continuation you, yeah. you see, so there's like inconsistency about how organizations treat teaching artists across the board there's inconsistency in terms of uh, rate of pay there's in- inconsistency across the board in terms of um um uh other kinds of benefits right and and professional development and do do you see what I'm saying like I feel like those are things that are still inherently challenging within the field of arts education but more specifically as a profession for teaching artists so where is the uprise where is the you know like I do know what you're saying I I don't and I don't know I don't think I think teaching artists need to be better equipped, but they need to know how to be better equipped, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why, like, I incorporate a lot of this stuff into the classes I teach. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I made a choice to be part of organizations that um, (laughs) sort of fed my type A personality, right? So you work for the New Vic. So let's talk about, let's start with that. So you guys were able to tell us, this is when this show is going to be at this time of year, and this is when the, the pre-show lessons are going to take place, and this is when the post-show lessons are going to take place. Um, and I worked for another organization in Jersey City where I didn't have to go through an education department to schedule my workshops, so I had flexibility. So I would be sure to keep that time a little bit available, if particularly if it was a show I was interested in. Um, and... Un- until the offer came in and then I could schedule around it, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I, I communicated, I made it clear that I was coming from New Jersey and that if I was going to go to far Rockaway, I didn't want to go for one class. Um, that took a while, but you have to so, speak up. But you, that's what I'm saying. Like you're, so that's an advocacy, a self advocacy yeah, skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, so that's also <laughs> time management and yeah. calendar making, yeah. you know, that's, those are all important mm-hmm. skills. Yeah. I don't know how much of this is like, innate I don't know how much of this is because of the experiences I had before I came into education I don't know how much of this is just the need for survival right like mm-hmm. I had I, o- I was I owned a house I was commuting quite far um, you know honestly when I came to City College I was making really good money as a teaching artist um, I took a huge pay cut when I took a full-time job 
I have better benefits, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, so you also have to kind of like weigh what, so compensation is just not money, right? And you have to look at what is important to you at that point in your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so interesting. What? I just think it's interesting, like how I've I ask people this. I feel like we I've had this conversation with multiple people, and everybody has a different kind of answer. Yeah, because everyone everyone's um, priorities are different mm-hmm. and change, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And for me, um, <laughs> it goes back to my 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 parents, right? And like that need to have a sustainable paycheck, and that's why I'm so interested in creating sustainability for teaching artists. Mm-hmm. Because I hope that I can alleviate some of that stress for somebody else. Right. But that was driven into me at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that fueled my drive, too. Because I got to be honest, there was one semester I remember working where I was working for you guys. Mm-hmm. I was teaching for the educational arts team. I was doing an after-school puppet show for the educational arts team. And I was teaching seven college classes between three universities. So that was hustling. And that was the semester I was like, this is too much. You know, I can't do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, I learned what my limit is. Um, but I also know that when I was interviewing for my job at City College, one of the people on my search committee turned to me and said, you know, you're going to be teaching nine classes a year and ex- be expected to do service and, and be expected to do service to your field. Do you think you can handle it? And I said, if nobody, if like, if I can't handle it, nobody can handle it because I'm doing it right now. Um, it was too much. Like it was, I, I, that I crashed that holiday season, but, um, but I learned a lot too about what my limits are. And I think too, like the reality is, I mean, by no means do I think I'm old, but I am learning my limits have changed. Mm. Like I need to have downtime. I need to be able to sit and watch Downton Abbey you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I need to have a glass of wine when I need to have it Mm -hmm. whereas two years ago even I could just keep going and I don't think that's a bad thing you know it's just being aware uh, it's a self-awareness it's a self-advocacy it's um I think it's just also I I you know was driven by not wanting to not wanting to personally fail because I felt like other parts of my life failed. Failure is not an option. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I just had a thought for you yeah. if, as you're thinking about what's next. Okay. I think you have you might have a really interesting opportunity to become like a teaching artist life coach. It's funny because if you look at my website, what? there is actually a page Shut about that. The front door. Yes, but nobody's hired me. So if you'd like to hire <laughs> me, you can email me. I did not at know that. Show at um, com. But I think you need to advertise it more because that uh, the fact that you're already incorporating it into a graduate uh, student experience within the courses that you're teaching and how you're working with your teaching uh, your, with your teaching artists, but your graduates um, uh, as part of the community outreach that you're doing. I think that that's a huge service but I think that there's a way to do more of that yeah I mean the the thing is the reason why I'm saying is Mm because I I don't again I I I don't think it's from the experience of of some of the artists that I'm working with more more directly but I think because I have an opportunity to see things a little bit more globally 
based on going to other kinds of conferences, going to other parts of the field, working with the National Guild and knowing that there are teaching artists across the whole nation. I'm about to go to this international teaching artist conference in Edinburgh. I can only imagine what life is, what I'm going to learn there. You know, I just feel like there there is this undercurrent. Sorry, the, when I was talking about the earlier about like <laughs> Michael Wiggins in the back of my head about, you know, sort of picketing the uprise. But there's also like, how do you just do your job better so that you can enjoy all those things or you can find leadership positions and continue to have a voice in within the field to help make this uh, what you have chosen to be your profession, a true profession, and that we all actually have a hand, should have a hand in all of that, not just the people who, who make the hiring decisions, which I feel like, you know, with the round table, they've made some changes where it felt very much for a very long time. It was just the decision makers that were on those boards. Somebody like you as a university person would not necessarily well, have been yeah, on the board and in I the mean, past not because not of the bylaws. Yeah. They changed yeah, them yeah, yeah. for the better. I agree yeah. with you. And I'm really happy about that. But, but change is slow. Change, good change. Takes is, time. Takes time. Yeah. Right. So that this, this, this that I'm doing, like this is this podcast, this conversation, these conversations that I'm interested in having and wanting to have, I feel like will also be some sort of contribution to the field, but in a, in a, who knows what kind of impact it will have, right. you know? Yeah. But I think that the, the, that's why I'm asking about the challenges. Why that's because I want to uncover them yeah. and I want to try and start finding solutions yeah. that are different than whatever people think have yeah. been solutions I, but so I, far. I think that like the interesting thing about what you're saying about being a life coach for a teaching artist. So I, I think that the challenges that I faced were like, everyone has their own personal challenges. Right. But I, I think as a teaching artist, I think those are, that's a reality and that's something that you have to acknowledge. And as wonderful as I think all these initiatives are that everyone's doing, you know, the round table is doing that ATA is thinking about mm-hmm. doing. Um, it's, it's going to speak to the masses and um, what drove me, in addition to the work ethic that my parents instilled to me, was, you know, like, you know, my husband passed away. And I needed to prove in one aspect of my life that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I could, and I didn't want anything in that part, in another part of my life to change. So that drove me. And that's, that's a reality. And, um, and I'm all the better for it. You know what I mean? But you, there everyone has something like that. Everyone has a wall to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of figuring out what ladder you're going to take to get over that wall and who's going to be there holding it. And I think that the really important thing about networking for teaching artists um, is when I think back to, it was hard for me to attend networking events living in New Jersey because my heart was always in New York, but I was working for this organization that you know I loved that was in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So my support system in our field was in New York, really, right? Except for Roxy, <laughs> um, and and I mean my colleagues in the at the team. But uh, so this was was good for me. This was professional development for me in some weird way. Mm-hmm. Like you know, going out with you or going out with somebody and and talking or being out with the Nuvik teaching artist or um, that that is a reality. That's a valid thing that I don't think is validated enough for teaching artists to think, yeah, I need this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it Because 
that logistical need comes in. Well, I have an after school program, so I can't go to this because that's more important. Right. Because that's what we've been conditioned to think. Mm. Um, I too was conditioned to think that it was only something drastic that happened that pushed me into a place where um, I was forced to realize like I need this support. I didn't need anything else. I'm a freaking strong ass person, but I did need to cry on a few shoulders. I did need to, you know, um, have the hour of, of having a beer with somebody because I wasn't getting that in, 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 in other spaces. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that's why like life coaching for teaching artists would be perfect. So if you need a life coach, you can contact me, everyone listening. We will make sure <laughs> that there is. If you mention that you heard me on Courtney's podcast, you get a discount. <laughs> oh, say that one more time. I was talking. <laughs> you, if you mention that you heard this on Courtney's on Courtney Body's podcast, you will get a discount. I promise. You heard it here. Mm-hmm. I like that. As so far, I've helped two people. <laughs> That's a That's start. <laughs> That's a start. Who knows where? But I haven't. Been how, many more? how many more? Have you many more? Yeah, but I mean, I think, and that's why I really like the work I'm doing at the round table mm-hmm. because I feel like it's creating those kind of spaces right. for, for people, not just teaching artists, for everybody. Yeah. Like everybody's a teaching artist. Are they though, Shoba? Yeah, I mean, Are they all? It's not everybody's a teaching artist. I, well, you know, this is sh- called teaching artistry. So, you know, try, stop trying to broaden things, well, I will mean, yeah. But I mean, if you're an administrator, right, yeah. you're still engaged in the arts in some yeah, way. Yeah. Right? Like, are you telling me you don't think you're you're an artist? No, I think, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I think. Let's turn I, the tables a little bit, Courtney. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I mean, very often uh, in our, at least in our world uh, at the New Vic, in the education department, um, more than half of the staff teach and are teaching artists yeah. and are specifically artists. All yeah. of them are artists. Yeah. Are they doing um, something? Many of them are, are at, or many at different times in their lives, they are, in fact, in, engaging in the arts and then. Um, able to teach whether it's out in 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 the field or it's at the theater or um, definitely there's um, aspects of teaching that happen uh, when we're at conferences we just had three staff members um, uh, present at face-to-face and they facilitated and two of them taught and the other one taught the uh, the work around like how to observe as a researcher and uh, it was uh, pretty awesome I'm not gonna lie about that yes I was in the room yes it was about my programs but they are representative of uh, representatives of our uh, organization of the really high quality work that we do, and they wouldn't have been able to do that work well if they weren't yeah. teaching artists yeah. and artists. So let's talk about you as okay. an administrator. Like mm-hmm. how 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 are you an artist? As an administrator yeah. in general. Well, like you, Courtney, you yes. are an administrator. I am an administrator. And how are you an artist? How? Okay. Uh, so I'm an actor, mm-hmm. um, and I devise original work. So I have you recently done anything? I have, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually am a co-artistic director of a theater company called A Space Between, um, that devise original theater work for teen audiences. And we did a project. Um, we remounted a project that we developed about three years ago. Um, back in the fall of 2015 at um, University Settlement and um, recast it and reworked the the script that that, um, ended up being developed out of the devising process from three years earlier. Um, And it was it was a really exciting adventure. We had new actresses and actors and um, who were they? So we had we had there were uh, seven of us, I think, in the cast. 
four wait wait is that right yeah four women one of which was a young person who's like maybe 22 and playing like a 16 year old and two young men one who played multiple characters and um, the other one uh, played the counterpoint to the teenage girl uh, as her boyfriend and um, it was a lot of movement and a lot of uh, different like different like broken text and then direct address to the monologues and soliloquies to the audience um, and very minimal set and so why is it important for you to be a part of that well, I, I wanna originally when we created the the a space between it started as actually a group of the teaching artists at the New Vic wanting to work more artistically with each other because oh, yeah. we were working yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were working in very collaborative way we do we work very collaboratively and it, we it was such I think it was a really natural outre uh outset of what we were doing as teaching artists and um, administrators together by creating the curriculum that we were bringing into the schools collaboratively and utilizing a, a devising model to develop that content. Um, and so people wanted to start working with each other um, in this, in a more artistic way. So there were a bunch of us that got together. I think it was once a month, maybe it was been, once a month. It was a once a month. Mm -hmm. Then where we just like improvise and play. And then there were, people who sort of were really committed to that and it all came down to like time there was a group of people who were really um more available on one date versus another day and one group sort of became a space between over time and then the other group became um trusty psychic no oh, that's so interesting yeah. so um and then that you know we know where that's launched to and that group is amazing and the, and a space between we started meeting weekly and then more frequently. And at first I think we were called home base <laughs> to start with because we really liked working with each other. And the, the concept was we decided that we weren't going to um, define ourselves. The only thing too hard, we were just going to try and figure out what our aesthetic was. And uh, we used some of the, the, the way that we work at the new Vic to, to create, opportunities for us to develop content so we'd have two facilitators um two people who would choose what the the stimulus or the 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 pretext might be coming in and how we were gonna work for that session and um it could be anything from music to a piece of art a photograph a book but the the ultimate goal is that we did want to make theater for young audiences it was just a matter of figuring out what what the tenor was the tone the target um and we realized i think qu pretty quickly that we we as a group were more interested in teen teens mm -hmm. than um younger kids mainly because we felt like there was a a hole there still is i think a hole for quality work for for teen audiences yeah. and um from that the red dress was uh developed and then the following year um, the group got much smaller for various reasons. People moved <laughs> and just had other life things and it became four people and we created the red dress and workshopped it and showcased it. And then, um, and then, and then I became director. And so I had to take a pause at that point. Um, and you recently performed it though, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so the fall was a remount of the same production, okay. but we had made some and changes. And what was it called? The red dress. Right, right, right. Um, so, so, uh, you know, between like acting and, and, um, 
then I was a part of a, a improv troupe that I think gave way to this wanting to devise because prior to prior to improv I had not done anything but like straight up script you have a director you know what you're Mm -hmm. supposed to do and that's it and so improvisation was a was a breakthrough for me and that I think lent itself nicely to this idea of devising original work which now I I don't want to like I don't think I can go back Mm -hmm. so the company itself is is sort of trying to figure out what it wants to be and what I think it wants to um find a way to work with young people to continue to devise new work that is for young people right. I mean, my, so meaning working with teens to develop work for teens mm-hmm. yeah so uh, would you say a space between is an important space for you I I would say yeah I think it's, so a, there you go. it's a really important creative space for me um, so that speaks a lot to my point about oh, right getting back oh, to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> um to to you know everyone can be a te- like an art a teaching artist right like the the admin I was just trying to make the point that I think you know I think it, administrators that work in our field the good ones at least mm-hmm. right are still artists at heart the good ones yeah the good ones but there's a lot of people I think who have been who become arts administrators who are not actually artists. Yeah, but but the the thing is then what's their definition of artistry, right? Like is it Yeah, are they, exactly. Are, but I mean like that that but it could have changed. That could have it changed. Could have. And like fulfilling that that need, that art, artistic need might just be going to the theater at some point, right? Right. I see. So it could change, it could evolve, right? Yeah. So that was my point. Nice. Nicely done. I like that. Huh? <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I think that that's a, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I think there's something, um, I, I don't know about you and maybe it's the, it's the last eight years, like Facebook and social media platforms have like encroached. They're so prevalent, but I feel like, is it me? Do you feel the same that the arts are talked about more? Hmm. I don't know. In if, I don't media, know. Yeah. In, in, um, I don't know if in, it's, I don't know if it's what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know if it's cause we work in the field. I don't know. I, don't I hope know. so. I, I hope like that it is. See, I'm seeing more about it. You just even, um, you know, Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. I mean, we know that she supports the arts, right. And, and, um, I feel like over the, over, over the years, definitely the white house, the administration, the, like that is a big thing. The arts are a big thing. Kennedy started, you know, the Kennedy center, it was started, right. I think because of an, an endowment or something. And that he was like, without art, where is the beauty in the world? Um, which is, I think, I mean, I'm totally paraphrasing, but that's basically what JFK had said. And, and, um, I wonder, you know, especially after the fact that we had world war two and, um, and then we were in Korea and then this, the, the sixties were just sort of like the beginning of the sixties were this idyllic time. Right. But there there was a destruction that had happened just a generation earlier. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if, you know, the housing bubble, September 11th, you know, the arts are really important when we're in a time of crisis. Well, yeah. Cause the arts are like the voice of the community, right? Like, yeah. But now we're about eight years out from that. And like, what's the next crazy thing that could happen where arts are going to be super important. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're always important in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, indeed. And then, but I'm just, I'm, I'm bringing it up because I, you know, there's governments, the, the UK, for example, did huge cuts um, towards um, funding for the arts. Australia did a huge oh, cut. Um, and isn't that interesting? Like you, you have an administration right now that built an entire school program using arts to turn around schools. And then you've got these other uh, countries that, you know, historically have really been very arts positive right, right. and now they're cutting them. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder and how much of that? it has to do with the leadership. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, um, the Australia, their prime minister is like super, super duper um, conservative. I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on in the UK mm-hmm. to be honest, but I don't know. I just think it's an interesting quandary in general like why why is there a why does it work in some places and i mean even but even so like even in the states like it's still not enough funding goes towards the arts Uh, i think the nea i know that the nea budget was slashed um uh during the housing crisis like eight years ago and it's only gotten like tiny like tiny incrementally um increased in the the budget went like only grew by like a hundred thousand dollars maybe like i'm sorry about a million dollars from last year to this year as a proposed from um the white house so it's and it's still not enough it's just not enough but at the same time then the nea made this huge announcement talking about it, like all the all the programs that they gave all this money to which is fantastic but also still it's not enough mm-hmm. in my opinion no it's not <laughs> It's not enough. And, um, I, you know, it's about, I think, engaging the people on top, right, about Mm -hmm. how important the arts can help make change and create leaders. And what, yeah, exactly. Like, there's, it's, the arts are not frivolous, and the the arts are um, what builds all those skill sets that we were talking about that are actually needed to innovate in science, to innovate within technology, the steam versus the STEM steam should be a part of science. Art should be a part of science. Right. Art should be a part of technology arts. Does that make sense? You know, and it arts are like my dad used to talk about math as a language that it is an art form. That's the way my dad saw calculus. Like, it, of course for me, I'm like, what is this? It's just a bunch of numbers and symbols, but there was an art to yeah. it. There is an art and yeah. there is, you have to be able to engage that part of your, your, your right brain versus your left brain to be able to push forward and advance us as humans. And the art should be a part of that. I'm getting on a soapbox. But I'm engaged. Yeah, you're in it. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, and to bring it back to what we're talking about, the, the, Teaching artists are the key to all of that, to unlocking all of that, to unlocking our future. I think I'm about to break into a Whitney Houston song, <laughs> but like, why do you think that? Well, because without the without them, without the artists, how are we going to impart to the next generation? How are we going to work with senior citizens who need creatively to work creatively to engage their their gray matter? Right to to there's a huge science there's scientific studies there's research studies talking about how the arts have a huge effect on brain activity and how important that is for people as they're aging 
mm-hmm. right? And yeah. then there's the social component of people going to the library, coming together, making decisions, writing their memoirs. Like there's there, that is a very important creative process for those people. And then to see that their work will take be taken further, that somebody cares. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. this other sort of things yeah. about about the arts beyond just making and creating. Sure. There yeah. is there is um so I'm gonna make it it's about, like about a survival so, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. there's the, there's the social interaction. So I, I'm on a shuffleboard league, and um, yesterday I went to play a shuffleboard and read some books. And the book that I read that I got the most excited about was called Shuffleboard. Why not? And on you the read t- while you're playing shuffleboard. Well, we were reading while we were waiting for our court, oh. and and we were re- I was reading up to gain some more strategies for playing the game well. How did that work out for you? Actually, my game was on point. <laughs> it was pretty amazing, but on the t- on the on the cover page, it, it was saying you know there's shuffleboard is about community. It's about um, growing a, a growth mindset. Um, there, uh, it was about social interaction. It was about looking to the future and that's, you know, generally people think of shuffleboard for old people, right? Yes. Right. You right, equate right. those two you, things, yeah. but there is this thing and I'm, I kind of want to make some, a book called arts. Why not? <laughs> I'm glad it, you brought it back because you lost me at shuffleboard. I'm sorry. I was coming back to like what the arts I get does. it now. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely and right. And so why why would a government be against any of that? Right. That's a question I don't have an answer for. You don't for. need one. It's more of the... It's yeah, like, it's out there the, in the universe. Yeah. Well, this has been truly... <laughs> on, I'm not joking. Like, this has this been, has been really fun, fun and, and thought-provoking. Do you have anything, any last words that you'd like to share? If I had a moment to share a last word, I think it would be that everybody needs to remember and recognize the joy in the work that they do and that that if they don't find any then you need a new job like you need to figure it out because I think that that's what's going to sustain us as a country as a nation as global leaders it's joy joy it's really that simple I like it (laughs) I like it a lot well, thanks again. Thank you. We'll talk soon. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Episode 3 of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. Shoba Kevin Akudiel, Fierce Search, Act 3. Join us next time for some field recordings from the Face-to-Face Arts and Education Conference. Remember, as Shoba said, if you want life coaching sessions and you mention that you heard it from Teaching Artistry, you will receive a discount. Go to shoba.net under Celebrate Life for more details. That is S-O-B-H-A dot N-E-T. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Ritz-Totten is the creative content manager. John Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us on the internet at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.